2: We're delighted to have partnered with NordVPN again for this season. We partnered with them last year and they are, of course, a supporter of Rangers FC as an official sponsor there. And best of all, we can give you an exclusive NordVPN deal. If you go to nordvpn.com forward slash heart and hand, you will get a huge discount off your NordVPN plan and one additional month for free. Completely risk free. There's a 30 day money back guarantee with Nord. And look, I use this product. I would highly recommend it. I used to work in web, so I know how easy it is to steal people's data, especially if you're using a a Wi-Fi system that that is a shared one, or you're using uh, 4 or 5G, then your details can be out there. With NordVPN, they're absolutely not. And there are other advantages to it as well. Um, You can watch sporting events that maybe aren't being shown in your region. Um, You can purchase flights from different virtual locations, and they do make your flights cheaper. This is very, very useful. What a Prices in the UK isn't the same as what a price is in America or a price is on the continent. Um, NordVPN can save you money. Um, you can buy purchasing subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price, uh, and you protect your data while travelling and using public Wi-Fi. I, I keep coming back to that. Anyone who's at the hassle of a canceled card will know what I'm talking about. So all you need to do is go to NordVPN.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll get a huge discount off your plan and one month additional free, completely risk-free. I urge you to do it. everyone and welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar and as always I am your host and I'm joined tonight by the young team on Heart and Hand. First of all, the pride of Linwood, the Rose of Paisley, is David Marshall.
0: Ah, how you doing mate? Yeah, just uh, when I thought it was safe to go back in the water and we had 33 30 days what it was without Rangers and you asked if um, I could come on this tonight. So, uh, cheers for that. Well, I think something nice should come out of paisley this week Mm -hmm. (laughs) true enough eh?
2: yeah so I thought you know why not grab Dave and joining him he might not have any ears but he is our very (laughs) handsome young Ross Hutton
1: Uh, thank you David good to be here cheers mate right Uh...
0: Do we need, can we not just talk about something nice? Like We were talking yeah. about the 2003 season and the group chart. That was magic. Let's talk yeah, about I that. Yeah, remember that. You know,
2: Kanija, Arvaladze, Arte... When a Trebo. Trebo, yeah. I mean, that that
0: was a lot of fun. I mean, we fucked it in Europe, but we always did. But we made up for it. You know,
2: well, I mean, I'll be honest. This year, I wouldn't mind some domestic success. And if the league campaign isn't terminal now with nine points... It's certainly in the intensive care section of the hospital. David, um, of course, like let's just get straight to it. I might have changed by the time people come to listen to this, but at the time of recording, nothing has changed. Um, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, still the Rangers manager. And all sorts of opinions, of course. But I have to say the vast majority of the people that I know and the people that have contacted me and you know, our listeners, social media, Twitter, which is not... Um, you know, there's not a scientific guide, but no. the vast majority seem to be thinking that his time should be over. Obviously, he's always going to have his defenders, so I don't want to speak on behalf of people and say every Rangers fan wants him out because it's it's not true. But uh, yeah, we've been saying for weeks that we felt the support had turned, and to be honest, I think we're, a lot of fans are moving into the kind of acceptance and apathy stage, and that for me is always worse than anger as a fan, because you just go, well, this is it, he's not going to change it. And, yeah, if I was a club, that's what I would be more worried about than, than anger, because apathy is when people drift.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can't say what happened uh, at the weekend in Paisley was a surprise. We can't say it was totally at the blue, and nobody's seen us um, dropping points against Murren. At the weekend, I think we all could have seen it coming. There was nothing there that shocked us. We didn't learn anything new about this team, about the management, um, that we didn't already know or we already feared. This is, this is how we are. This, uh, we're now into November. This is how our league season has went. And as things stand, David, if we are not looking to make any changes, and as you say at the time of recording, we haven't made any changes this is how the season is going to go.
2: Yeah, and Ross, I mean, we can debate that. We have debated the riser, and I'm conscious of not boring the listeners because we've been talking about this now for weeks. David's right when he says, first of all, it wasn't a shock. I think, you know, I I said earlier in the week, somebody said to me, oh, these two games, what are you thinking? And I said, well, I think we'll beat Hearts, but I'll be honest, I'm not 100% confident about St Mirren because the away form under Gio hasn't been... Good enough. Um, not many defeats, but plenty of. Uh, I think just Celtic and then that uh, that one in Perth, but a lot of draws. And Rangers can't. Rangers can't be taken. I think it was thirty eight out of fifty seven last season. Then I think it's eleven out of twenty one this season. Rangers can't be taken 50, 55, fifty, fifty five, sixty percent of points on the road. Because you won't win the league with it, and while I accept that you know Celtic have been very consistent this year, unfortunately in Scottish football, at any given point the measuring stick for Rangers is Are you first, and it doesn't really matter. The, the excuse of well they're doing really well doesn't doesn't count. So it might be unfortunate on the manager, but it's just the reality of the situation. And this is not just about Giovanni Van Bronckhorst; these players. that's a different thing and we'll come to but a lot of these players have shown for a number of years that they have this thing away from home that they do have this in
1: their locker and as David said, wasn't it a shock? Yeah I agree with pretty much all of that Um, going back to what yourself and David spoke about there in terms of the apathy that's where I've found myself in the past couple of weeks I was, I was watching the game with, with James Forrest ahead of the B-team game on Saturday and when St Mirren scored... God, you had
0: a hell of a weekend, didn't you?
1: <laughs> the B-team game was good. Um, Rock and roll. Yeah, uh, it always is. But I, I said to James when St Mirren scored, just almost surprised myself about how unmoved I felt. Angry, obviously, you never want to go one goal down, but it didn't register in the way that it normally would. It's just, I could see it coming and that's that where that apathy starts to seep in. And if people start to vote with their feet, which I think if Giovanni van course is still on a job come the flip side of this World Cup break they will start to do, then that's seriously damaging to us as a club and a whole host of reasons. So there's a bigger picture element to to kind of get into there as well. The away form is death by a thousand cuts. I think I've said this so often on here because we don't lose an awful lot of games. But when we do, we tend to get hammered off for Celtic or you have that that effort in Paisley, Paisley, um, if you can even call it an effort. I mean, you kinda, you're seeing this away form, and you're seeing it develop over a period of time. We don't have any body of evidence that it's going to improve. And that's the big thing that I'm looking at now. If we were playing well, right, and really, really putting the effort in and really trying, you could see what Van Bronckhorst was trying to do, and we were just getting unlucky. And maybe the performances didn't quite match up with the results, then maybe, maybe you can make a case for the defence. But that's not been the case at all. The performances have merited every single result that we've got we deserve to lose in Perth we deserve to drop points in Paisley we deserve to drop points at home at Livingston and that's damning on a Rangers side that should be going for a title you mentioned the players there as well some of them have absolutely disgraced themselves I'm sure we'll talk about individuals in in the future but they are also culpable as to where we find ourselves as, as a club and as a side and they have badly let the manager down but it is still your job as a manager to try and get a tune out of the players he has been unlucky with injuries and uh, subsequent form that players have found themselves in. Tav, for example, injured and badly out of form, one of the the key players in this side. But again, this squad should still be going and, you know, winning in Perth and winning at home against Livingston and, and winning away at Paisley and it's just not doing that. And I see no body of evidence that Giovanni van Bronckhorst can turn that around and that's the unfortunate part of where we are. Now, I think as a support, even though we might not be unanimous, and again, like you, I don't want to speak for, for everyone and say that we're all uh, geo-out, so to speak, but we all kind of see him as a nice guy. We like him as a figure. It's just not working as a manager. It's a purely professional decision. This has to be. There can't be any room for sentiment, which I think must be the only thing keeping him in a job. Right now, that idea that he might have credit in the bank, which I don't really think he does anymore.
2: I think what's keeping him in a job is that there's about four and a half million reasons for it and every yeah. one of them has I'll got that has got a picture of the queen on them um yeah i mean I, 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 look folks see uh, on heart and hand i don't tell any of the podders ever what to think i tell them that they're wrong when they're wrong right because obviously i'm right but um we don't ever do you know when we're coming on a show right you say this and i'll say that and i like to try and balance it so we tried to find i, I did try to find out the I want Geo to stay guy and I couldn't out of you know what, thirty, forty poddles. Um, yeah,
0: because Strider is, was busy tonight, unfortunately.
2: Yeah, which is probably <laughs> which is probably telling. The best defense I've I've heard of him, or the most defense i I've heard from people is it's not it's not just him. And that's right. I mean, that is true. You know, Wilson has to take a lot of culpability. The board has to take a lot of culpability. And that squad definitely needs to take a lot of culpability. Firstly, for how it was allowed to get to this stage. And secondly, for the performances that a lot of them are putting in.
0: But, but that's also not a defence of the manager Exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, th- different things can be the reason. It's not binary and it's yes. not it's not that they're set against and you can't have one without the other. They can all play a part and there's a lot of shades of grey there. I mean, I think you can break it down, Davian. You know, themes, recurring themes that we hear. First of all, in terms of Geo, you know, in terms of his defence, the recurring themes you hear are injuries, Europa League final, uh, and the, the people who want him out, what you hear is no playing style players seem to have chopped it and there's truth in all of those and it just comes down to your own individual decision as to what you know do you believe that, that given time and players coming back from injury and new signings and because that dressing room needs to be cleared out and that happens will Van Bronckhorst be the guy to do it and and I just haven't seen enough in the last 12 months to say yeah I can hang my hat on him
0: no, I mean you want to talk about um, getting to the Europa League final last year, which um, <laughs> I am just about at the end of of talking about. I, I think if I have with this AGM coming up next month, if I was to give advice to the board, it would be you're not allowed to mention the the phrases "55, look at look where we were" and Europa League final because that is in the past, and frankly, it doesn't it has nothing to do with how broken the the, the team is now and what a Uh, a failure the season has been to to this point and terms of League is already looking like a a write-off that doesn't solve any of uh, the problems we, we are facing you want to talk about themes well the biggest theme for me is if we're going to compare it to last season domestically the reason that we didn't win the league last year is because we couldn't beat Celtic in the league and we dropped too much points to the draws and now as we're sitting here in November 2022 we after playing them once, we still couldn't beat Celtic in the league. We got hammered off them again, in fact, and we're still dropping too much points to the draws. What you know? What are we hoping that it's it's going to change? Because you want Ninjas to win, and you want Ninjas to win the league, like we all do. What basis do you have to think that it's going to turn around? That I, I, I don't think you can make any argument for it. Um, I, you know, i think it'd be great if it could, because as Rod said, it would be great to have a guy there like Van Bronckhorst, who played for the club, who was very successful in his time here, to lead us to um, league titles and uh, a few more cups as a manager. But as lovely as that is, it's just it's just not happening. So we need to look, um, and the people whose decision this is at the club. They need to look to see what they can do to, to fix this now because something is broken.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that he would lead us to more trophies. I think he would lead us to more cups because I think he's a good cup manager. He's good at setting it aside for an individual match. And he has a very, very good tactician. I think he's very good. But it's it's that consistency... In a league that you need to get over the line, and no, we, just don't
0: we, have we need it. a manager to win the league, and I don't think it's him. Yeah,
1: you, yeah. You don't, you don't need to be a good side to win this league; you need to be a consistent one, which yeah. we're just not going to get under Van Bronckhorst. And there's no body of evidence that we're going to get at, at any point under Van Bronckhorst. Which, again, I think I've said this before as well. I don't think he's a bad manager. I don't think you have the kind of run that we had in Europe last season by being a bad no, manager. Can't. I just don't think he's, yeah. a not, he's not a league-winning manager for Rangers, because there is a difference there. Yeah, and and, I mean, we, we've spoken And about you're no use to us if you're not, frankly.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we, we've spoken about this before. Scotland is a kind of strange wee league, and uh, there are certain things that you need to be able to do. And look, let's be honest, the fact that Celtic have gone out in gubbin teams, um, they've slowed down a bit in the last few weeks, but up to then, you know, Rangers fans are looking at that saying, why aren't we doing that? And that is unfortunately just a, a, a fact of life in Glasgow. You can't change it. Mm-hmm. And that will continue, and I know that I'm sure I'll get some staunch comments. Well, I don't care what they're doing, well, you know, neither do I particularly, but I care if we can't get one yeah. point in front of them, which is kind of the whole point.
0: Um, for, for me as well, David, sorry to interrupt as well. Like the Govins are what they are, but for me, the difference is when you look a couple of weeks ago when Celtic lost an 87 minute winner to Dundee United, and I'm sure we all thought in the heart of hearts that we're probably still going to, to win it now. When we went 1-0 behind in the first half against Livingston, when we went behind in the first half against Johnston, when we went behind in the first half against St how many of us really thought, oh, we'll turn this around and win the game?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a belief thing, but it comes through evidence and history. Yeah, and the more you evidence. do that, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the more likely you are to do it. And I think that it was similar again on, on Saturday, um, your Rangers took to the field and look, it's not a team that under usual circumstances would be playing. Leon King goes off, which means we literally do not have any fit mm-hmm. centre-backs which, of course, that's unlucky and of course, you you know, you deserve some, some understanding on that, but in terms of our attacking play Ross, there is really no pattern to it, there's no style to it. What it amounts to quite often is get the ball to Tillman to Kent to Tav and hope they do something and when those players aren't in form then our threat is massively negated and and I felt for Kent a little bit because he, he gets a lot of criticism but when the ball's been passed him, when he's got three guys in front of him and no one moving then there's not a hell of a lot he can do so he'll try to take the three guys on and he'll
1: lose the ball more often than not. I've seen a chart the other week there that said that Ryan Kent was actually the top chance creator in the league I think it was an octa stat and I think that speaks volumes about where we're at Ryan Kent can create all the chances under the sun but if there's no quality on the, on the other end of those chances to actually put them away then we have a serious problem and we have had that for a while. The other two players you mentioned there as well, Tav, like I said earlier, clearly unfit, you know, not you know, at a overweight type way, but he's clearly injured, right? It has been what for I a while. It,
2: don't is... your manager and him say that he's not God, listen,
0: that we're, uh, we're getting to the point I, now. They're not. They're not uh, pissing on our leg, telling us it's raining. They're pissing on our leg and telling us that's not your leg. Yeah. If
1: there's sorry. If, there, if there's anyone out there that actually genuinely believes that Tav is fit, then I've got magic beans to sell you. Sure, say, well, say, but This is what I case. don't
2: understand about it, though. It's like if they say that no, no, he is fit, then it's like right. Well, he's just playing really, really, really so badly. What's the
1: issue then, then. I, uh, I, I, Without any excuse, and and for me, that's worse. And Mm -hmm. from Tav's perspective, right, I can understand as the captain of the side that you want to play through that, especially when we're in a sticky patch If we've not been playing well, you want to be there and to be seen to be there as well, I think, in the eyes of some to try and lead us through that. But it's having a detrimental impact. You obviously have this period now where hopefully he can go away and recuperate and come back fit and fire and how? confident I am that's going to be the case is another question right enough and then the other player you mentioned there David is is Malik Tillman a really promising young talent and I I, maybe I'm a bit of an apologist for Tillman at times I can understand why people get frustrated but he is still a kid right and like any kid that comes through he's going to have his peaks and he's going to have his chops that is just natural in his development cycle and his development journey the problem is we are throwing him into a position again slightly caused by injuries but we're expecting him to be the main man Every single week, it's not going to happen, right? We spoke a lot about young players that come through our own academy-like players like Alex Lowry, who there's there's a bit of a, a noise around as well. He would be the same if he was playing in this side week in, week out. You can't expect young players to just jump in and be the man straight away. But when they fall and when they fall by the side, we have got nobody else. Nobody else that will contribute. And that's damning on so many aspects of the of the club noticeably the recruitment because that should not be the case we should not be relying on just three players to make essentially all our chances for us How have we got to a point where we don't
0: have another right back at the club to just give Tav a rest? Like, surely someone would have noticed
1: that See, th- th- this, this is the thing, right I said earlier on I believe that Tav wants to play through this injury and that, that's fine I think most football players he's no, got, got no choice find, Well, no, but this is the thing you shouldn't have to have a choice. The manager should be removing mm. him from that situation. There's games where Tav has had a chance to be rested, right? That game at home at Dundee in the Cup, Tav should not have played that game. Last 20 minutes of Ajax when he was fucked, right? And we could all see Madness. it. He should not have stayed yeah, I mean, on he that, was that pitch. He, he was There's been be no opportunities
2: for yeah, Van yeah, he was
1: like to he as he ran that night. Yeah, and that is a, a dereliction of duty and a dereliction of a duty of care as well from the management team. Adam Devine is capable, right? He has played 1st team football before. It's not as though he's a complete novice to it. I'm not seeing him play every week. But there has been opportunities where you could take Tav out of the equation say, just go put your feet up for a week, mate. And he's not done that, and he's ran him into the ground as a result. And, and see if we don't trust
0: Adam Devine to play in that position. Why didn't we get another right back?
2: Because, Likowski, well, exactly. that's an interesting point, And I think it comes down to the fact that there's been a lot of gambles made that haven't worked. And by that, what I mean is we sort of gambled that Tav would be fit. He hasn't been. We've gambled on sign-ins with questionable injury histories, so to being the latest. And it hasn't worked. we gambled that we would get through to the World Cup without suffering much damage, and then we dropped seven out of 12 points. And these are, oh, sorry, seven out 15. Uh correct myself there. Uh, so these have, you know, gambles that haven't paid off. And when one or two... Don't pay off, but when a multiple ones don't pay off, then you end up very much in the red, and that's exactly what's happened with us. Um, To the game itself, then at the weekend, very similar actually to Perth, and that Rangers started, I thought, reasonably well, quite promisingly. St Mirren would point and say that we look dangerous as well, and I would say that that's true, but you'd kind of expect that given our central defence, but even so I thought Rangers were in command and made a couple of kind of decent chances not great, you know, not sitters but certainly ones you'd expect maybe to do a wee bit better with, but was looking fine and then almost inevitably after half an hour, they don't when they haven't got a goal, they stop doing the things they've been doing, and the the aimless crossing resorts and the the giving responsibility away. And at that point you're starting to go, hmm. Uh into the second half, really bad goal to concede. Um and Ross, I know you'll defend a B team boy to <laughs> to the death, but <laughs> that wasn't a an inexperienced an inexperienced mistake. You know, that wasn't a mistake that and I'm not one of these guys that I've seen saying, oh, Leon King's not good enough. He's made loads of mistakes. Of course, he's made loads of mistakes. He's yeah, a youngster, and he's been put into a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one he'd have got a row in the B team for. You've got to yeah. clear that, right? Just clear it. But again, that's a confidence thing. When you're confident, you just clear it. But when you're not, you overthink it. You make mistakes. You're not going on autopilot the way you should be. Um, and then they react, which is, you know, they do tend to react, but it's often too little, too late. We get the penalty, and Dave, I'll be coming to you for, for your chat on that in a minute and you know we you know we kind of poke about trying to trying to get a winner as david says no real belief we're going to do it um and two more points dropped and we are where we are but it was just so predictable it was literally what we'd seen last week and it is difficult for a manager to you know when he's he's got games coming up as often as Gio has to to change things and to turn it around. And he doesn't have a lot of players to choose from. But it is the same thing every week with a kind of gradual downward curve, Ross. uh,
1: There's no getting away from that. That is what's happening. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse. And Again, this is possibly where the frustration comes from. And I'm talking about that body of evidence that just doesn't exist to support any kind of contrary argument. We have seen enough of this now, especially away from home, to say that this is not going to get better. This is not just a case of he has been incredibly unlucky with injuries and that is the, the one and only sole factor. Last season, and I know it might be a wee bit unfair to compare, but last season I don't think the squad was really an issue and we were still throwing away stupid points away from home. You come into this season and we're doing it again. There, there is no evidence there. To the contrary, you'll get maybe a, a coin toss of a game that you might get a good performance at Tyne Castle being the, the noticeable one. Apart from that, no, no, you're struggling. And the fact is as well, exactly what you're saying, you're spot on. We we knew what was going to happen when I was talking to my mates before the kickoff, and I said I, th- I think if we get the first goal we might be alright if we take our chances early doors that I expect us to create or be there or thereabouts. If we get to 25 minutes and we've not scored, we are bang in trouble because we know what this ranger side does at that point particularly away, away from home. What they do is they'll get the ball, like you said, they'll put it out wide, they'll put it into the box, it'll get headed away by a big six foot eight defender and they'll do the same thing again and again and again and they'll get the same result again and again and again because there is no confidence there you can always tell the confidence of a side by the the zip of their passing what are they doing what are they doing with the ball are they driving forward with it are they looking to make creative runs off of it are they passing it forward no it's, it's a dereliction of responsibility on the players and that is where they have let the manager, manager down really badly and a few of them do need to take a serious hard look at themselves because there's a, a severe lack of responsibility in that squad, a severe lack of leadership from a lot of players who really should be doing better in that squad, and they have let the manager down. Yeah. But I mean, on the note of the manager, we have seen enough now to say that is just the way his Rangers side play, and it's not going to get any better.
2: What concerns me is Feyenoord fans say the same, that the same thing about lack of style of play, you know, passing the ball aimlessly, crossing wide. So it, it, it's not a new thing, and it's not just unique here um and as i say it's it's strange because in a one off game you can set up a team really well tactically and you know pinpoint the opposition's weakness and stuff but just i don't think when we need to be proactive with the ball that we've shown enough um that we can win a league doing that dave let's move to the rangers penalty now long term listeners will know that we've we've had our complaints with referees on here before and particularly with kevin clancy um whose performance in that game against aberdeen in January, was ludicrous. One of the worst I've ever seen. And I've seen John Beaton. And Saturday for me was, that's why we needed VAR, because Ryan Kent running full pelt with the ball, gets taken out. I thought, oh, that's a penalty. Before I had time to say, to actually say out loud, oh, that's a penalty, I hadn't got through it. And he'd been booked. He'd been yellow carded. It was automatic. There wasn't time for for um, Clancy to, to actually think about the decision or to, you know, consult with his linesman if he didn't have a good position. And for me, Dave, it's, it's simply not a credible decision. And here's the reason why. You can you can say, I don't think there was enough contact for a penalty. Now, I would disagree with that and it would probably be the wrong decision, but you can say that it's a justifiable decision, right? Mm-hmm. That's just a, an opinion, right? That That's something that comes as comes down to your subjective viewpoint what you can't do is say there was absolutely no contact and thus he is cheating and he dived and it's a booking because it's clearly not that this is the way clancy referees us this is his first thought that's what he goes to and it was just simply an awful decision and it's very hard To, you know, look at some of the other decisions we've had from him over the years and and not think it's just the way his mind goes when he's refereeing Rangers. He is and he took about 10 minutes (laughs) over at the, you know, at some point he was he was saying, can I see that replay? Can I see another one? Is there a helicopter one? Does Ryan Mm -hmm. Kent have any points on his license? He was looking for so many reasons to not give it. But in the end, he had to.
0: No, I think he was uh, scraping his way through the rule book for any technicality he could find to not give, uh, to not give Ryan Kent the penalty for what was as clear as the penalty as stone wally stone penalty you could ever uh, you could ever hope to see. It was an absolutely shocking decision, in a long line of shocking decisions from Kevin Clancy. Now, I I do you know watch my fair bit of. Uh, SPFL games out with ourselves, and you know I can't say that Kevin Clancy is just a terrible referee. Yeah,
2: he's bad it, in other games as well. It's yeah, not yeah. you know it's not just he's not no, brilliant, and then he turns up at Ibrox and he's rubbish.
0: It is you know he's not the best referee in the world until he referees Rangers. He is just a poor referee, but he does seem to save his absolute belters for when for when uh, he's he's officiating uh, Rangers. It's it's a shocking decision. It's one that should see him, you know, relegated to to the league two games for for a few weeks because if he can, and the the worst thing as well when you watch it back and you see the angle that he has, which is always something I like to do because it's all very well, particularly in the 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 pre um days when you give a hundred replays, but it's important to see it from where the referee. Um, was viewing it. Kevin Clancy was right behind it. He could not have wished to have had a better view of the situation, and he still looked directly at that and thought Ryan Kent uh, dived. If that's truly what his thought was, uh, watching that happen, then he is absolutely no right officiating at this level.
2: No, because like I say, I mean you can say not enough contact. It's not a penalty, right? And correct it on VAR. Don't get me wrong, but. You can't say, ah, there was zero contact and he dived because it, it, it's simply not a credible position to take. But
0: I, I would love loved to have heard the, the VAR conversation when he's in conversation with the guys in the truck because surely the conversation must have been, Kev, the fuck are you doing?
2: I think the conversation was probably more like, uh oh, fuck, you're going to have to give that. <laughs> oh, you're kidding, hun bastards. Um, let's face it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we got the penalty and, not that it made much of a difference, Ross, because that draws no use to us, as we know. We now go into this, this World Cup period um, hopeful of getting some players back. I doubt they'll all be back after the the, the, the break. And this is the thing about you know the decision, because say they keep them, because it will die down. right? It will die down in terms of there'll be noise on social media, but... They'll be able to get through it. They're away on holiday for two weeks, the the players and the, the management staff. And they'll come back and you know, people will get ready for the match against Hibs. But if anything goes wrong in those matches, Hibs at home, Aberdeen away, Ross County away, and Celtic at home. If anything goes wrong in those games, you're right back to where you started from and you've wasted a, a, you know, a five-week window
1: to, to get a new manager in. If Geo goes now, During this break and you get a new manager in, then everything that's happened before will be blamed on Gio, whether that's right or wrong. But he will shoulder a lot of the blame for the results and the performances. If we come back from this World Cup break and he's still the manager and then we play Hibs and then go to Pataudry and then Dingwall and then play at home to Celtic and we don't win all those games. And we're not going to, right, if if Van Bronckhorst is the manager, I'll say that with absolute certainty now. Then it's the board's fault. Boo, unstaunch,
0: boo. No, oh. it's it's get to you know the the thick of it stage. You know, if the PM sacks you after a year, it's, it's your exactly fault. It. If he sacks you after a month, it's their fault. Well, then now, if it, if they don't sack him now, I don't see how they can get that him between now and the end of the season because that puts the failure
1: entirely
0: at the board's doorstep. Hundred percent. If they sack him after the new year,
1: hundred well, percent, Dave. And that's exactly what I was going to say. You have, and you could not have wished. For a more golden opportunity to make the change And get a new guy in when the players come back From their holiday, you have that three week period Where you can try and embed some new ideas And get them re-motivated and re-jigged For this new mini-season that's coming up And listen, I think the league's gone Right, It feels it goes, very 2005-2006 uh,
0: right now That's where do, I feel we are
1: But what you do have is an opportunity To play for two cups and try and get some respectability back Maybe claw some ground back And the league and kind of set a marker for next season If you fail to take this opportunity It's fully fully on the board and it would be their fault when we do end up getting dropped in the league and yep. against Celtic and the same mistakes keep happening that would be their fault at that point there's no hiding place at that
2: I think one of the things that really annoys me and I've heard this from a few people is our well, transitional season no a transitional yeah. season is when you say at the start of it look we're yeah, going to make some since changes when? that are yeah we're going to make some changes with a view to being good for the next four five six years so you 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 ship out players, so you get rid of McGregor, you get rid of Davis, Arfield, mm-hmm. etc. You say thanks very much, you've been great servants, lads, but we need to go a different direction and you make everyone aware. What you can't do is get midway through a season and it's gone pish and then go, oh, it's a transitional season. It doesn't work like that.
0: It's when not three months ago you firm. had directors telling us that this is the best squad they've had since uh, they've been at the club. You can't, you can't fucking change your mind two months down the line and say it's a transitional period. We heard nothing about this being a transitional period until what? After the, the St. John's defeat. That won't wash I'm sorry, what, what transition? are we
2: going no, what here? transition, you get the, you get yeah. the same yeah, players. You, you can't day. keep a hold of a load of guys in their 30s oh, and exactly. say it's a transitional season exactly. because you're keeping the same guys.
1: I, honestly, this is genuinely a new one to me because that's just that's a baffling argument to come away with. A transitional season is if you, at the end of last season, I'd let the aforementioned players go. Thanks very much. You're always welcome back anytime, but we need to bring new blood in and you're playing young players and you've maybe got an entire new squad there you're trying to build and kind of use that as a foundational season to move forward that hasn't happened the literal opposite of that has happened it's not a transitional season that's a nonsense and it's not a valid argument
0: Uh, it could have been but they decided at the start of the season it was not so, which is yeah, where be. they are. That's the, that's yeah. the and I'm not saying by the way, Rangers fans thing.
1: would have would
2: have accepted it or no. been happy about it. But you, you you've got to have the courage your convictions in there, and you've got to say, look, we're going to have a, you know we're going to bring these guys out, we're bringing younger players in. In terms of like, for instance, Tillman, Tillman reminds me a lot of Arebo in his first season. You know, mm. moments of brilliance mm. and moments where he looks as though you know he's he's, he's not there. Um, that was a in the first season. Let's not forget that. Younger players take a while to, to get fully up to speed. And you could have said, you know, if you brought in another couple and we've got Tillman and Yelmaz, et cetera, but this is where we want to go and we want to set up for the next five, six seasons. Um, and it would have taken some of the pressure off Gio as well. But instead they said, as David said, you know, Brown squad
0: and
2: let's get ready to rumble. And we're nine points behind now. No matter what you might want to say about when Gerrard was there, Rangers were never out of the title race by November. No. This is going back to pre gerard days now, and that's why there's so much anger among the support. You cannot do that if you're Rangers. Now you can fall a bit short, and we all know that Gerard's team had a habit of collapsing after the winter break, uh, which you know is not good enough either. But you can't submit the league really by because you know, look, I still want to believe in my heart of hearts, but. I see them dropping 10 points more than us, not unless they absolutely collapse. And I haven't seen much evidence to suggest that'll be the case. So you have to to kind of place in context, right? Where are we? What is a season? And if you write the season off as a disaster, a season, which it appears the board are prepared to do, then say it, you know, say we'll, you know, we'll review Gio at the end of the season, which is basically nudge, nudge, wink, wink. We're going to keep him, but he's going and we'll get someone else in then um you start to make those changes transitional changes in january you start yeah. to promote guys from the b team and give them experience to see if they're going to be much use uh, another reason why it can't count as a transitional if it was transitional robbie mccrory would be playing ahead of alan mcgregor right so it, you, there are things you can do but the actions don't match the words at this point
0: i think no i had agree with that it's um We've had mixed messages um, throughout this season and you just can't change your mind at this point in November. This season, you know, has been, you know, it's, apart from qualifying for the Champions League group stages, which is starting to become a real worry for me. And this is just all conjecture in, in my opinion. But I'm starting to think that that was the board's, not just a main aim, but their one only aim for this season, which I think is a massive worry. Um uh we are a cup exit away from this being a complete failure of a of a season so far. Domestically, this is absolutely shocking that we are sitting here on the 14th of November and talking about the, the league being a write-off. And you know, I'm I'm very much of the opinion and I hate to say it, but I think the league is done. I c I can't see us uh catching this. And for us to go into this point in the season, that being the case, and with the messages we received from the club at the start of the season. There needs to be hard held up and said, right, we've made a mess of this. This is what we're going to do to fix it from here on out to make sure this doesn't happen again next season. And it goes back to what we said at the start of the show, David, when you talked about um, the gambles we took this season that didn't pay off. My biggest issue with that is we just came off a season where we made a lot of um, gambles domestically that didn't pay off and we lost the league um, in a season last year that we should have won the league, in my opinion, and that will annoy me forever more. This is... Into the second year now, where we have handed Celtic another league title, and it's completely our fault.
2: Yeah, and, and that's why when it comes to, for example, Ross Wilson, and people say, well, not again, not everyone. A lot of people agree with me on this, so I'm just. But I, I hear sometimes, well, you know, he's so bassy and Patterson, et etc. And I'm like, yeah, but we blew a league title, and we're miles away this year, and getting further away from it. And he's the head of football operations. You know, it's, I know he doesn't pick the, the, the team, but he does have a, a big say in picking a lot of the players. Surely um, anyone to,
0: to do with football, the main goal is, are we winning the league or not? That has to be the main aim. If it's not that, then everything else is, you know, everyone else is, is you know, is dressing and, and nice and, and lovely that we're making all the, this money off a certain uh, player sales. But even to that now, what value do we have left in the team?
1: no was, that's a very th- good point
0: this, this yeah. summer this summer is now the money that we made from transfer uh, fees this summer is very much looking like a one-off so we're going into next season with very few with uh, very little value in our squad what are we then going to do to win the, the league back then
1: and I think that's that's a that. I can have of valid point into the wider issues we are going to have with the selling club model that we are still in the infancy of, of trying to kind of bring through at Rangers. The idea of that model is you always have a player ready to go should you need to do it. You know you always have value in the squad. In the way that the clubs that we have quite openly said Ajax, Porto, Dortmund, the clubs that we think that we can try and emulate to a scale in our own in our own league in our own way. The point of them is they always have a player ready to go. They always have someone on the market. They always have someone that can, you know, be sold off for massive amounts of money should they need to do so. Ajax this summer, you know, sold a lot of players for tens of millions of pounds. We are not in that position anymore. Our main sellable assets have either been devalued to the point where it's not even a conversation and the rest of the squad just, as I say, isn't up to that standard where you can sell them for multiple millions of pounds. The model is fine. The way that we have handled that model has been desperately poor, and that does fall on Ross Wilson.
0: Yeah, and I remember as well a lot of talk after 155. you know, a big part of Ross Wilson's job being uh, continuity, and I think that goes hand in hand with what you're seeing there. If we're selling somebody, we need have somebody lined up to replace them. Sure. I don't see a lot of continuity in our thinking behind the football operation right now.
2: No, and then you know, something we've been saying for a long time here, but uh, yeah, chickens—that that noise you hear are them coming home and having a good old roost outside. You two are young and both still have your hair, um, that kind of suggests to me that, like a lot of young people, you probably like to have your testicles looking. Oh, like I don't totally need to do one
1: of these. Now, there's no way, Ross, that you don't have baldy Absolutely. Uh, Ah, well, you know, I'm a a man who's a fan of his hygiene. Yeah, absolutely. And Dave, I mean, you're a shambles and hulking
2: wreck of a human (laughs) being. Um, So you probably do look like a bus kebab in there. But you could look like Ross's balls if you got a kit from manscaped manscaped are the market leaders in the perverted art of testicular baldness and if you go to their website manscaped.com and you use the code rangers you'll get 20% off 20% off how great is that now I don't think it's particularly great because, you know, it's kind of a hobby in my opinion, right? Oh my God, can you imagine? And what does it look like afterwards? Seriously, right? Honestly, it must look like a bit of buttered bread that's dropped on the floor. But if you're into that, right, and a lot of you are, and you want to support, you know, Christmas is coming, and I'm sure a lot of you hope to be as well over the Christmas period, well, you might as well look your best for your partner, be male or female or whatever these days, right? So... Knock yourselves out, go to manscaped.com, buy your filthy product, and that'll be all. I can't do that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I just, every week I do this, I feel like I can hear John Knox's ghosts. I've got a fucking
1: journalism degree, and this is what I'm resorted to. Uh, This podcast has just peaked with the phrase, you could look like Ross's (laughs) balls. Yeah, I mean, Ross's, you know.
2: I've said to my, Ma- I've said to Manscape before. Do you need a picture of Ross's balls? That's kind of why we held. you I think we that should night. ask
0: our vote viewers who our uh, viewers are. <laughs> listeners. Viewers, yeah. sorry. Who wants a picture of Ross's balls? Get your comments in on the Patreon, Spotify, wherever on the Facebook. And Twitter. Let us know if you'd like a picture with Ross's balls, and we'll sort something out with Manscaped, Use the code <laughs> Rangers. You'll get a free picture of Ross's balls along with yeah, your with head package.
2: Cautious, yeah. The thing is, as well though, that uh, the 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 thing is, as well though, that you won't hear it if you're on patron. So if you hate this section of the show folks Then you know what to do, sign up for us on Patreon It's just 1.99 and uh, ad-free over there Right, folks, that will do us for this week on Heart and Hand. And, uh, of course, we're going to be off for a, a couple of weeks. We will be putting out, though, some shows in that period. So don't worry, there'll still be shows dropping into your uh, into your pod player, however you listen to your podcast. So uh, if you're on YouTube, there'll still be some pods coming from Heart and Hand, but obviously not discussing matches because there are none. And, Ross, you'll be hosting our World, well, co-hosting our World Cup
1: coverage over in Heart and Hand. Uh, Yes, I was about to correct you there. There is of course going to be coverage of matches, just the ones that we can actually sit and enjoy watching and look forward to seeing. Um, Yeah, James and I are co-hosting the World Cup coverage this year. We're really excited. As of tomorrow, you're going to have daily shows right throughout the tournament. We've got build-up and preview shows right throughout this week leading up to the big kickoff on Sunday and then daily shows after it talking about all the games, all the goals, all the players. It's really, really exciting and I'm genuinely looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, um, it will be fun. I wouldn't go there if you paid me, but nope. I don't need to, so I can just sit and watch it in the house. Right, thank you to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, and thank you to my wonderful guest, first of all, David
0: Marshall. Uh, cheers, mate. I just want to say as well, I will be bringing back for long-time listeners six of the best, and we'll be starting off with six of the baldest Rangers balls, so look forward to that <laughs> dropping. <laughs> dropping are-
2: balls. <laughs> do you get it? Bro. Two of them are Ross's. And uh, <laughs> thank you
1: to Ross Hutton. Uh, uh, thanks very much, boys. This has cheered me up. Cheers.
2: We'll be back, uh, as I say, in a few weeks with the normal show, but till then, hope you enjoy the ones that are coming your way, the specials. Uh, so enjoy the World Cup, folks, and at least just can't ruin your weekend for a few weeks. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. <laughs>